with a whopping weekend in Europe ahead of us. It's all the big continental news today on the Totally Football Show European Edition in association with Paddy Power. Hello, friends. Here today on the Totally Football Show Euro Edition, we have James Horncastle. Hello. Julien Laurent. Bonjour. Raphael Honigstein. Hi. And also Alvaro Romeo. Hola. Hello to you all. Big week ahead of us. Huge stories from the weekend and then all these fixtures heading straight for us in the Champions League. Jules, and there's Europa League, which I know you're pumped about. Yes. Tell us more later on. Yes, of course. Let's begin with a quick roundup of the headlines around the you know the big four nations. Jules, what's going on in League 1? The big story is Lyon. The crisis in Lyon is uh, seven games without a win now, and they lost at the weekend against Nantes, and things are going really bad for Juninho and Silvino. Wow, and Bappi's back, and PSG had another 1-0 win with Neymar scoring. Yeah. We also uh, solved the mystery of Dolberg's watch. We'll get onto that yeah. later on. In due time. In due time. Oh. Nice. Uh, in Germany, Rafa, Bayern Munich are back on top thanks to a rabbi. <laughs> rabbi Motondo. A rabbi, I think is his rabbi. pronunciation. Okay. Yeah. He scored his first goal for Schalke right. to beat Leipzig 3-1 right. in Leipzig, which allowed Bayern the pleasure to take the table. Uh, top of the table for the first time this season, James. Right, with Coutinho particularly yeah, on Yeah, he was form. fantastic. Okay, they are going to be taking on Spurs on Tuesday night by Munich. We'll, of course, be looking at that game very, very shortly. In Spain, Alvaro, we were getting excited about the rather unusual makeup of the top six, but normal service been a bit resumed there in La Liga? Yes, I think Granada will be the only mistake, uh, the only bug in Matrix, uh, to put it some sort of way. Uh, they are second, but uh, what is remarkable is that only two points separate the first and the sixth in the La Liga table, so right. every, all the traffic is pretty congested up there. And, and only three points between the first and seventh, and let's go all the way down to seventh, because that's where Athletic Bilbao yes. are. They were on top a week ago. Uh, they were on top, yeah. They drew against Leganes uh, midweek, right. and then they lost against Valencia at right. home with a very controversial goal from uh, Cherisev. And also the, the big news in La Liga is the fact that Messi came back and then went out injured again. And, and when is he going to be back this time? Possibly for the Champions League contest against Inter. Really? Even, this week? Even though, yeah, even though it doesn't, doesn't seem plausible to think that he's going to start, but he might be in the squad. But uh, let's say that it's a 50% chance that he's there. Right. Inter, who just won their sixth game of six in Serie A, with uh, uh, Alexis Sanchez making his uh, first start. And it was a, a fairly busy performance from him. Pretty eventful. Scores. Thought he scored another one. Came off his back. Ended up being assigned to Sensi. Got sent off for diving. Um, but yeah, this is the headline of the weekend. Alexis is back. Balotelli is back. Milan are not back. Not back. Worst start since 1938. Four defeats from six. Pressure on Marco Giampaolo. And uh, we've saw some great goals in Serie A this weekend, particularly the art of the dribble from Frank Ribéry, oh, from Alejandro God. Gomez. Oh. And Rafael Leao. We'll get to that. Fabulous match that was the, the win for Fiorentina at San Siro. Giampaolo, now one of three Serie A coaches who could get fired next weekend, <laughs> yes. we read. Gattuso's lurking in the background for all of these jobs. All right, well, more on all of that later on. We're going to begin, though, with the Champions League. You're listening to The Totally Football Show in association with Paddy Power. 
Roberts is giving it to Kraus. Models, chip through, Falco. And it's gone out off the post. Mark Falco has done it. Four minutes to go, and Mark Falco has given the top number lead overall. Well, there you go then, 7th of December 1983. And a young Peter Brackley there, the much-missed Peter Brackley, recounting Spurs' 2-0 win over Bayern. The last time they met with the Bavarians, that was in the UEFA Cup. Spurs went on to win it on pens over Anderlecht. So this Tuesday, the Bavarians make their first visit to North London since. And Rafa coming in as league leaders and with, as we mentioned, Philippe Coutinho looking like suddenly a really valuable acquisition. Well, absolutely, James. And uh, they're eager to find out just how good they are in that game against Spurs because for Bayern, of course, the Champions League is always the benchmark for this season, similar to Juventus. They know that they can beat the likes of Paderborn being not quite convincing, playing at 85%. 80% is still enough to get a win, but it won't be like that on Tuesday. So this will give themselves a, a better indication than the Red Star game on match day one. If this squad and if the likes of Coutinho and other uh, recent recruits really can make the difference in Europe this year. Coutinho, who had a huge part to play when uh, Barcelona visited Wembley last season, huh? Yes, he did, because he scored the first goal of uh, Barcelona versus Spurs. But, uh, well, that was probably the last good thing that Coutinho did until he scored another goal against Manchester United at Camp Nou in oh, okay. the Champions League quarterfinals. But I think that uh, in Copa America, it was quite clear that Philippe Coutinho was a different player outside of Barcelona than at Barcelona. And right. perhaps it's happening the same thing at Bayern, that we see the best possible version of Coutinho. Very interesting to listen to uh, Niko Kovac after the game, where he was profusely um, complimentary about uh, Coutinho's performance. Rightly so, I mean, he said, he, you know, he dances with the ball, he does stuff that nobody else can, can do. Certainly the assist for Serge Gnabry's goal was, was absolutely sublime. But sort of the bigger picture is that Bayern believe that Coutinho is a player, like Alvaro said, that has been sort of underperforming. And if they can coax that kind of real continue out of him once more, then they would have a lot of joy. Uh, and the good news is, in many ways, is that for either side, there's not much to lose because it is a loan deal with an option to buy. So mm. if it works out, both are happy. If it doesn't, there is not much lost. Of course, Bayern would be you know, losers in the sense that they spend money on him on the loan and on his wages and don't get the um, improvement that they need up front. But I think the upside is is considerably bigger for both for both of these guys. And I compare it, James, to sort of a no-strings-attached romance where you don't really know where it's going, but you just enjoy the fact that uh, right now it seems like a good fit for, for both parties. That's a really nice analogy, Rafa. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. So Inspiring. Um, also scoring a lot at the moment is Robert Lewandowski, of course. Uh, he was on the score sheet against bottom of the table, Paderborn. That's his 10th goal in six matches. When Bayern, who was it 3-0 against Red Star in the opening game? When they turn up at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, what, what do you think, Jules? Do you worry for Spurs? I, I think if Coutinho and Lewandowski are in the form that they were at the weekend and since the start of the season in the league, I think yes, yeah, Spurs have to worry. Although Lewandowski missed a huge sitter yes. in the game on on Saturday, incredible for a player like him, it was it was crazy. But I think it's going to be a great game. I do think that Pochettino is a better manager than Kovacs, and I do wonder if tactically uh, Pochettino can win that battle with Kovac, and then and then I think he will level up a bit the um, the, the game between the two teams. But I think 
other than that, on paper, I think this Bayern Munich team is better equipped to win that game. Bayern played some some stuff and some sort of combination football and attacking moves that we hadn't seen for a long time. Oh, in what sense? Uh, just the fluidity and the, the, the movement and the, the structure that somebody like, like Coutinho brings simply right. because he plays the ball and then goes into a position where it can immediately come back. Now, suddenly you have like a triangle um, and you have movement, which has not always been the case at the Bayern team, certainly since since Pep, since, right? since Pep has left, of course. So it was very encouraging. At the same time, Bayern were very, very sloppy at the back and really found it difficult to, to see up the game, to manage the game. David Alaba was a huge miss. He should be back, uh, hopefully from Bayern's point of view, uh, on the left. Um, but this is not a complete Bayern side. This is a Bayern side that has shifted in terms of the the gravity of their game which is now further up the front which is a natural consequence of having Coutinho being so dominant in number 10 but they're lacking a little bit at the back at the moment Mm. is Kovac showing signs of improving as a manager in year two at Bayern have the coaches that have been imposed on his staff (laughs) helped Hansi Flick (laughs) well I mean the bad thing for Kovac is that whatever improvement we'll see people are will, will always be tempted to put it down to his new assistant coach Hansi Flick who has come in with a uh, with a task with a brief to to work on the details to work on uh, that ball situations to work on attacking play and so far it works but I think what we can say is that Kovac has listened to some of the complaints from the players I think there is more emphasis now on playing football having said that when I watched a little bit of the training on Wednesday the emphasis at least in the first part that I saw was very much on pressing um, so they were doing a lot of shape work without the ball effectively. So I don't know how much he has really changed. But one thing is for sure, they cannot afford, uh, he cannot afford, to line up in as defensive and destructive uh, a fashion that they did at Anfield when they last played in England. Because right. while it was a good result, it was also seen as a game that effectively circumvented Bayern's own strengths right. and played played against type. Spurs, of course, only drawing their first game after being 2-0 up against Olympiakos. The Greeks, this time around, will be away at Red Star, which, of course, not an easy place to go. Not an easy place to go. If you want to follow all those games, you can, of course, Jules, where? On the Gold Show on BT Bingo. Sport. Yes, Tuesday and Wednesday. Jules? I will be with you on the Wednesday, but I'll be uh, at Spurs by Munich on Tuesday. Right. Yeah. All right. Well, you'll enjoy that. In Group C, another game you'll miss, Man City... Taking on the team that's actually ahead of them in their group, Dinamo Zagreb. Dinamo topping that group currently after they whomped Atlanta 4-0. How impressed were you with Dinamo or Dinamo? And could they, could they give Man City any problems? This Man City team that's had a wobble at the weekend against Everton in places and certainly did against Norwich. James, what do you think? I think they were one of the surprises of match they won in the Champions League. Not necessarily because they beat Atlanta 4-0, but they were 3-0 up at half-time. Um, they completely took Atlanta by surprise and I think their coach showed that he can game plan for specific games Um, he's not one of those managers who basically says this is our style I'm going to stick to it I'm not going to change he adapted and uh, Atlanta were unable to and didn't really have an answer which was surprising because they're a team that is able to always react come back and they weren't able to in this game Um, so I think it will be a bigger test than many expected when the draw was made but I think it should still be one that City are very much comfortable in despite some of the problems that they've had it would be good to see Danny Olmo who's such a Mm. special player against you know 
Atalanta were great, but against a, a tougher opposition and see how he does. Atalanta were great. As in, no, they, they're a great team. I, don't want, I, was, I was about to say Daniel Mo against a real team, but then I thought of James and then I'm going to get some grief. Yeah, and everything, Jules, so. Jules doesn't judge a team on one performance. No, exactly. You know, yeah. When was the last time an outfit was hyped to this point and it just delivered so little? Hyped by James Horncastle or in general? Hey. <laughs> Hey, was it maybe? You wait till we get round to Atlanta's next game. I the wish, hype is going to start all play, over again. I wish we could play again last week or the week before the, before the Champions League. Yeah, I think Atlanta. the hype yeah, is justified. No, like... I still think the hype is justified. I think they will get through this group. I'm still. Oh, still behind it. hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. I will take you all out for dinner. All right. If they get through. Okay, and they, they, well, he's no, including no, you. If they don't, if they don't get through, I think they're the Champions League equivalent of British Sea Power. Are you suggesting that the band failed to deliver on their? Really? Okay, interesting. So, Atlanta so, so if are going to be going through. Sorry, Jules. You're all inviting us for dinner or lunch. No, right? he, we're not all. He is inviting all of us. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's yeah. what I said. Oh, you're all invited. If, yeah. If, if you as well, listener. If you yes. can make it, Jules. <laughs> Only if you can make <laughs> I'll it. I'll find a way. I'll find a way. <laughs> so Atlanta, who yeah, didn't have the start they wanted in the group, but since then, have won. They've beaten Roma. Big win there, and then Sassuolo, looking good. Atalanta, particularly this weekend, they are going to be home to Shakhtar, the first ever home game in the Champions League, which is at San Siro. Yeah, and what's curious about this game, James, is that these are both clubs who are always playing away from home. Mm. You, know, you think of Shakhtar, who haven't been playing at the Donbass Arena since. Yeah, Atalanta's issues, are, I mean, they've got the builders in rather than well, actual civil I war. I wasn't <laughs> comparing <laughs> circumstances in that regard, James. <laughs> but it's true, they have played all... Um, their games this season and yeah. for, for much of their other European campaigns in the Europa League away from home. Right. And if you look actually at their, their record on the road, James, I know this is officially a home game, hmm. only Manchester City have a better record away from home in Europe's top five leagues in 2019. Just saying. Just saying. And yeah, they went away to Roma um, in midweek and beat them 2-0 yep. and were very convincing. Roma hadn't lost since March and uh, shot them out as well. Against Sassuolo at the weekend, four goals in 35 minutes. You know, this, this team, when it's on, yeah. um, they're very difficult to stop. And uh, it was quite interesting. Gasparini was talking about the Roma game. Obviously, they came up against Paolo Fonseca, Paolo Fonseca, former Shakhtar Donetsk coach. And there was a sense that playing Roma was good preparation for, oh. um, for Shakhtar. We'll have to see whether that uh, is borne out in truth. But All right. So but you're, you're, you're calling a big win for Atalanta. At home to Shakhtar Donetsk. And what's going to happen as Man City take on Dinamo Zagreb? Is it going to be a Norwich scoreline or a Watford scoreline? Alvaro? <laughs> a Watford one. A but Watford one. Definitely. James? Is there an in-between? Yeah, okay. Raf? Yeah, I think City will smash him. There you go. Why <laughs> <laughs> <Not> laughing? <laughs> Said so delicately. I think City will smash him. Hmm. It seems as though Serie A is a bit of a dumping ground these days, doesn't it? where all the Premier League's footballing flops are sent to get them off the wage bill. It's literally a weekly reminder for Man United of all their very expensive mistakes. But thankfully, with Paddy Power's money-back specials, not all your mistakes cost you as much. Get money back as a free bet on football every week. See on site for the latest. Paddy Power, home of the money-back special. Selected markets only. T's and C's apply. 18 plus. BeGambleAware.org. On Spotify, smart speaker and podcast platforms everywhere, this is the Totally Football Show from Muddy Knees Media. Premier Sports Listener is the home of League and City and the UK, and they have a total of 14 live games coming up this weekend, including Barcelona-Sevilla and Inter against Juventus. 
New customers to Premier Sports can get the channel on Sky or the Premier Player for just £49 annually with the promo code PREMIER49. To subscribe, visit www.premiersports.com. Alvaro, you just had a derby in Madrid, didn't you? Yeah, and it was a very boring one, I have oh, to I'm say. I'm sorry about that. I mean, the only reason why it was worth watching it, because obviously the, the scoreline wasn't, you know, there was uncertainty until the end, but I think that the defences imposed over the attack, uh, attacking lines in that game. And it was funny to see how the 120 million players, Joe Felix, Eden Hazard, they didn't even complete the derby. Uh, they were replaced uh, midway through the second half because they weren't making the difference. And uh, I think that Real Madrid got a proper message at uh, Paris when they lost 3-0. Right. And ever since then, they have focused a lot on staying tight defensively. And they haven't conceded any goal ever since, yeah. uh, which is really good for them. Three clean sheets in a row. The only unbeaten side in La Liga. They've gone top now. Uh, of the Spanish first division. So the pressure eased a bit on Zidane ahead of this week's uh, clash with Club Bruges. Yes, it does. I don't think that the Champions League game uh, is going to be that easy for Real Madrid because they are not scoring with uh, uh, such a fluidity. In fact, they beat uh, Sevilla only 1-0. Uh-huh. They beat Osasuna 2-0 at home, but it wasn't that convincing. And the other day, they didn't produce many chances against Atletico. Just uh, one header from Benzema in the second half was the, the only big chance for Great Real Madrid. By o- Oblak, no? Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. fantastic. A usual, a b- business as usual for, uh, for Oblak because he's a goalkeeper that he is always producing in every single game. <laughs> Back to the game against Bruce. I mean, there is a lot of pressure for Real Madrid because they have to get the three points as soon as possible at home. And it's funny, I was checking some stats, and uh, this is a um, bespoke stat, to put it some sort of way. But in Real Madrid, in the last two Champions League games, uh, they've got an aggregate of 7-1 against them. Because they lost 4-1 against Ajax and 3-0 against CSK Moscow back wow. in December. At home, the last two at, at home. home. Yeah. Wow. I mean, that doesn't correlate to this season, so obviously. What are you predicting, Alvaro? Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, when, when, you, when you think the Bruges, Bruges, <laughs> Bruges are arriving off a 5-0 victory over Mechelen, so... But also Mechelen lost the player after 29 minutes. Okay. So it was quite easy for the Belgians. I see. Anyway, so it looks like the kind of fixture that sets up nicely for Zidane to improve that terrible record at home in the Champions League. Yeah, and uh, that terrible record when it comes to scoring. Because Real Madrid, uh, after Cristiano Ronaldo, haven't been able to score as easily as before. And over the last week, I've seen a glimpse of what Real Madrid could be this season. Because I remember that when they got the double, the Champions League and the league in 2017... The backbone, the secret of that, was a huge rotation. Zinedine Zidane was playing a team in the league and the best one in the Champions League. And uh, that worked very well for him. And uh, that's exactly what he did uh, last Wednesday against Osasuna. He played with six players that uh, didn't start against Atletico de Madrid on Saturday, which means that uh, he wants to get everyone on board in the squad and uh, he wants to do as much rotation as possible because last season Real Madrid didn't rotate at all and uh, they reached the end of the season really tired and with no chance of winning anything. How worried, speaking of Oblak meantime, should Atletico be about their trip to Locomotive Moscow in their group? They've only won one of their last five in all competitions. Yeah, and it's funny because they've got uh, the same sort of problem as uh, Real Madrid has. The fact that they cannot score goals. I mean, Diego Costa since his arrival, and Diego Costa is not the culprit of it, but this is just an example of uh, what he's been doing for Atletico de Madrid since his arrival to the club in January 2018, I remember, 
the same as Aubameyang, to put some example. He has scored seven league goals in around 40 games, and this is not what you expect from a striker of that uh, price to start with and that uh, experience in Europe. And I think that Atletico de Madrid's uh, situation is different to Real Madrid. They know what they want to do. Simeone follows his uh, same compass, to put it some sort of way, and he's been following that for the last seven years, but the, the team doesn't seem to score goals. Right. And that's a problem for Atletico de Madrid, because the easy games, they don't win them easily. They are very well made for uh, knockout games, because they are capable of uh, keeping the score very tight. Right. But when it comes to the league, they're finding it very difficult to win the winnable games. Well, they did manage to score a couple of goals late on and get out of jail in their opening group game when they were 2-0 down against Juve. Yeah. Came away with a 2-2 draw. Locomotive, Rafa, how impressed were you with their opening game when they, they won away at Bayer Leverkusen? Well, they took advantage of a pretty horrific goalkeeping howler from Lukas Radetzky and Baranov scored. Um, great first touch. Finish. So Radetzky essentially passed it straight out to Baranov, who just first timed it straight back into the net. Absolutely, James. But from some distance as well, though. Yeah, yeah. It was um, not an easy finish, but it really was an own goal in all but name. <laughs> and Leverkusen were their worst enemy. Uh, of course, Lokomotiv have given themselves a chance now mm. in this league. I think it was always going to be most realistically a playoff for third place between Lokomotiv and Leverkusen but now that they've won away to Leverkusen with another surprise result they set themselves up for what could be an interesting finish I mean we've seen Atletico um, having problems in the group stage not long ago so there is the potential for some upsets there in Group D. Juve, who drew 2-2 at the Wanda last time out, will be hosting Bayer Leverkusen. Juve's record, James, in this competition is not all that, but they have won all three games since their trip to Madrid, seeing off Spal 2-0 on Saturday. Are you confident about their chances at home to Leverkusen? They played very well second half against Atletico. I think that was the first, along with the Napoli game, that was the first and most consistent signs of... Sarri imposing his style of football on this team and it was a shame that ultimately set pieces let them down and they were very disappointed not to come away with the three points. I think against Spal at the weekend it was probably their most consistent 90 minutes under Sarri. I thought they played very well. Um, over the last two games they've changed system. They're now playing a diamond in midfield with Ramsey as a 10 mm. and Dybala um, off one of Higuain or Cristiano Ronaldo. So um, this is the news, really, that Dybala's coming in and he's actually getting good reviews. He is, I think, the player that, for me, for Sarri to play the kind of football that we all associate Sarri with, he has to be in the team. Right. Um, and Ramsey, as well, has done very well since coming in. He's started the last three games. He hasn't finished any of them yet. Um, at the moment, they've got some issues um, at fullback. The Spal game, Blaise Matuidi played at left-back and Juan Cuadrado played as the right-back because they've got injuries at right back and Alexandro's father passed away last week and he was in Brazil uh, for the funeral. But they are playing good football and I think one of the things that was quite exciting, even though it was against Spal, who will in all likelihood go down this year, was Delict was very good um, okay. at the weekend in terms of pushing up, being very aggressive, winning everything, top. Bayer Leverkusen, the visitors on Tuesday in Turin, coming off a 2-0 win at Augsburg with Rafa, the much-vaunted Kai Havertz on the score sheet. Uh, we saw glimpses of his talent in a match day one, group game one, whatever thing. We didn't really. Did we not? I mean, he was very anonymous. <laughs> okay, we didn't see much from him <laughs> on the opening day of the group stage. What, what can we look for from Kai Havertz? Cobra Kai. I think Havertz had looked a little bit overplayed, as we say in Germany, maybe a little bit tired, maybe having had a little bit too much responsibility. Now that Julian Brandt has gone, you know, he is very much the 
the guy that has to make everything happen. Um, plays the first ball in the final third, has to get on the end of it, has to provide the assist and then ideally score himself all in the same move, which of course is, is asking far too much at times. But against Augsburg, he kind of rediscovered his touch, if you will, and uh, there is there is no reason why his quality will not will not come through. Whether it's going to happen against Juventus, who have looked pretty solid, uh, well, solid in stay in spells, uh, shall we say? Uh, we'll have to see. But the hype with him and the you know the expectation is is very much warranted, um, and it'd be more interested to see whether Leverkusen as a team can actually step up to his level. Right. Uh, and um, so and, and do something. see how Leverkusen can cope with world-class Miralem Pjanic. Who is looking goal. really, what really good at goal. the base of that. What a goal. Si coordina Kedira. Palla per Pjanic. Che gira rete! Un gol strepitoso da parte di Miralem Pjanic. Back-to-back games yeah. scored from outside the area. Mm. Running this show. Believe. Hashtag. <laughs> right. Uh, so, you know, Juve have a huge game coming up uh, at the weekend. We mentioned it before. Inter, that's uh, the team that's two points ahead of them in the City A standings. Uh, of course, Inter have got a big game themselves midweek. Ooh, Barcelona. Ooh, we'll be on to that in a second or two. But there's one game still from Tuesday that we haven't touched on yet, Jules. Oh, my word. Paris Saint-Germain. 3-0 victors over Real Madrid on the opening day they're going to be in Istanbul against Galatasaray sounds like quite a test Jules yes it should be although Galatasaray who only drew in their derby at the yeah. weekend nil-nil as well which was a quite a poor performance from, from, from them and PSG will go there without Neymar who's still suspended that's his last game uh, of suspension and he's been so good in the last few weeks in the league especially right. again this weekend at Bordeaux but at least Kylian Mbappe Mbappe's is back. back he played half an hour and, was, and really was incredible for that half hour he could have scored a hat-trick easily in that game does that worry you that he could have scored a hat-trick and he got no goals no because there's a couple of one where I think he was a bit complacent there's one he should have crossed the ball to Neymar again after giving him already the goal that he scored uh-huh. that he didn't he's just he hadn't played for five weeks so right. I think he was just a bit normal but that relationship between Neymar and Mbappé not that we will see that on Tuesday but will be PSG stronger asset again this season I think. 1-0 against Bordeaux uh, Alvaro you were saying that um, Neymar's form is all the more uh, remarkable given what he was up to just ahead of the uh, game against Bordeaux yeah because on a Thursday evening he was in Barcelona yeah. and he partied until 6am according to reports in right. fact there is a picture of Neymar partying with Artur Melo the Barcelona midfielder as well why is Neymar in Barcelona Yes. Because uh, his lawyers and Barcelona lawyers were going to meet on Friday mm. to discuss about the contract extension bonus that Neymar claims that he should be having. Uh, they didn't reach an agreement on Friday, both uh, entourages, and uh, they will go to court very soon just to decide on this. Nice. Kind of story I love. Uh, Galatasaray have a fascinating squad, Jules. I know their results haven't been good. Three straight draws. Only two wins in six, is it? They're, straight, they're down yep. in sixth place in yeah, the Super League. But they have got the likes of Seri, you remember him, out of yep. Fulham. Lemina and Done, who lit up the Premier League with Brighton. <laughs> and Zonzi. And Zonzi uh, and, and Falcao as well. And former Monaco man, Radamel Falcao. He scored against PSG for Monaco in his first season before he got that really bad injury. And that's that... the only goal he's ever scored against them. Yes. It was a lovely goal and... and uh, I think it's taking them a bit of time to gel all together. Right. Under the uh, under the management of Fatih Tarim, who's yes. in his fourth spell with the club. Yeah, indeed. Nice. Okay, up next, Wednesday's fixtures. You're listening to The Totally Football Show in association with Paddy Power. Group F and perhaps the game of the week. 
not Slavia Praha against Borussia Dortmund, although that might be nice. But the other one in that group, which is Barcelona Inter. Oof. Exactly. Alvaro, one or two problems for the Catalans, as you yeah. mentioned at the start, as they head into this latest visit from the Nerazzurri, who, to be fair, never win at the Camp Nou and never score goals at the Camp Nou. <laughs> but they're going to be taking on a Barcelona team this time that are having real problems and have just lost Messi again. Yeah, and uh, let's see, because uh, Dembele, Alba and Messi are doubtful for the game, and I, I doubt that they are going to start against Inter Milan. This game reminds me straight away of the Eyjavatjokul volcano. The, 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 nice, yeah. the Icelandic volcano. The yeah. Icelandic volcano, yeah, uh, which basically uh, prompted that Barcelona had to travel to Milan in 2010 by bus to play the Champions League semi-final. Right. Can Messi's absence be similarly? Can it be the volcanic dust which stops the, 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 their plane taking off, metaphorically, on Wednesday, do you think? In every possible way, because if he plays, he's clearly not ready. And no. again, against Villarreal, uh, despite having uh, given one assist to Griezmann uh, in the first goal of Barcelona, Messi didn't look fit at all. They did manage to beat Getafe this weekend without him, and a match which featured an assist for Tesh Stegen, the goalkeeper. Yeah, yeah, and uh, it's a goal that it would have been impossible uh, scored by Getafe, because Getafe goalkeeper is the kind of uh, very conservative way goalkeeper. Right. He never comes off uh, the goal line, and uh, Marc-André Ter Stegen is just the opposite. I mean, right. it's not only that he gave an assist in that action, but also that he came off his own uh, box just to test the ball first, control it, and then give the pass to Luis Suarez. Okay, Tesh Tegan, uh, key then at the weekend, could well be key this time around. He, he certainly was important in the opening game when he, he saved that uh, penalty from Marco Reus. No? Well, not just that, he was absolutely unbelievable in, in that game. He, he was the difference, or he was the reason why Dortmund failed to score. Um, it was absolutely outstanding, and his performance was one of the reasons why this whole Neuer the Stegen debate uh, started to rear its head. Uh, even before that, he had, uh, as you recall, spoken a little bit publicly about his disappointment at not having played for Germany. But because he played so well, because Mats Hummels, a former Bayern player, played so well, I think there was a reaction in Munich the next day. And uh, the quote said you would have seen um, from, Uli Hoeneß. from Uli Hoeneß relate back to that game. They right. were just held back by a week and only came out a little bit later when he's threatened to not to release Bayern players in case Manuel Neuer was going to be dropped by Joachim Löw. Now, I have to tell you... So, just, so he said that we won't allow Bayern Munich players to go to the national team if they don't have Manuel Neuer as the goalkeeper and have Ter Stegen instead. Correct. That's now, extraordinary. Right it there. is extraordinary and it's also a totally empty threat because <laughs> not only would it go against FIFA regulations but also of course against the wishes of his players who don't want to get involved in this kind of thing and even it damages the credibility and position of Neuer because what is the reason for playing him is it because Löw is too afraid to lose all the other Bayern players or is he playing because Löw considers him the best player so it was completely unnecessary silly and Uli Hoeneß, um, when the story, when the second part of that story came out uh, last Wednesday, rode back very, very quickly saying, well, I said these things in the heat of the moment and I probably wouldn't say them again. Right. Yeah. Well, that's so, nice then. Is this like the last whip in, in Uli Hoeneß's tail in that he's on his way out? He's gone, you know. I don't think we will have heard the last of him, but you're right in the sense that his presidency is coming to an end uh, in November. And... He seems like a guy who wants to go out with a big bang and, right. and almost feels the need to 
make these big statements and uh, you know call up the Ukrainian president. I'm oh, no, sorry. <laughs> 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 Inter, we mentioned at the start the fact that um, they were coming off for six straight wins in Serie A. We talked about Atlanta. When was the last time you saw a team this hyped being this disappointing? I would say probably Nerazzurri in their opening group oh, game, though, because in Champions League, their terrible. Serie A form just evaporated. Do you think that with the extra time with Conte since that they're over, whatever it was that caused them to be so bad, are they only just escaped with a draw against Slavia Prague? Or do you think they're still going to struggle the way that Conte has so many times in the past? I'm curious about this game, James, because if you look at the seven games that Inter have played so far, the only one that has been disappointing has been the Champions League one against Slavia Prague. I wonder if that says something about their priorities. Certainly in a week when they're going to be playing Juventus, which is not just significant in terms of their title ambitions, it's personally significant for Antonio Conte as well. Right. Now, I'm not saying that um, Champions League comes after their Serie A Scudetta ambitions. I think players at this level, coaches at this level, want to be competitive in every single competition. But I do think the Juventus game will be on Inter's minds. I think it will be on Conte's mind. And so it wouldn't surprise me if they were to go very hard for 45 minutes to an hour and then see what the state of the game is like at, at that stage. Um, just because I just have a feeling that Serie A is everything to this club. Knocking Juventus off their perch is everything to this club. It's everything to Italian football at the moment after eight years of Juventus domination. Um, and yeah, you mentioned those six wins in a row. Best performance, I think, of the, of the season at the weekend, for particularly the first 45 minutes against Sampdoria until Alexis got sent off as the second half began. And I think not only did they put in a great performance first 45 minutes where they played their best football, but from a mental point of view, second half, down to 10, concede after, what, eight minutes of, of going down to 10. And you think, as Conte said after, afterwards, yeah, going down to 10 men and then conceding, and it's 2-1. The old Inter, the crazy Inter, might have lost that game. And he said, I think it was uh, that situation could have killed an elephant. But this elephant was not for dying. Um, and it came back. And they scored, what, five minutes after Samp um, got one back. 3-1, killed the game. And even when it was 10 v 11, Lukaku should have scored when yeah. he came on in the 85th minute. Mm. So very impressive from Inter. They seem to be getting better and better in the league. Score a goal in Barcelona, do you think? Well, I think Alexis might well start again in this game. Okay, against his former club. Because he will be suspended against Juventus. Right. And to be honest, Alexis played well in that first half. Certainly better than, I think, anything we've seen from him since he left Arsenal. Mm. It wasn't just uh, the goal that he scored and deflecting since he's shot in with his back. He was involved in a lot of very good stuff from them. Yeah. Um, you know, be it setting up chances for his teammates, right. regaining the ball high up the pitch. Lautaro Martinez, for example, should have scored when he won the ball back in, in Sam's penalty area and basically put it on a silver platter for him. Uh, Candereva's goal that was disallowed, that was set up by, um, by Alexis. Wouldn't surprise me, as long as Conte can forgive him for almost right. compromising this perfect run, if we see Alexis again in this game. Yeah, Alexis Sanchez uh, left Barcelona in 2014 and I think that he was a little bit unlucky that he got to Barcelona when the, the Guardiola project was uh, probably fading away a little bit and then he was part of Barcelona during some years in which things went from bad to worse. And uh, one of the main disappointments and the biggest uh, sadness of Barcelona around that time was uh, the fact that Tito Villanova 
passed away. And uh, Tito Villanova was using Alexis Sanchez superfly. Then Tata Martino came to Barcelona. And uh, Alexis uh, was never well coached. And uh, he never understood how he got to play with Messi or if he got to play for Messi, with Messi, or uh, for himself. I think he got this doubt in himself about what should I do. And when he came to Arsenal, he started flourishing because he felt like now I'm playing for myself and for the teammates, not for this specific player. So um, it's a real shame that didn't work for him. Sounds like a big trip back then to the camp now on Wednesday. Also in that group, Dortmund travelling to Slavia Prague. Uh, Dortmund not in the best to form another draw this weekend, Rafa, and this Slavia Prague outfit, as we saw in the Europa League last year, spiky customers. Yeah, they, they play a really good pressing game. Dortmund's 2-2, even though it's not the worst result in the world, was really almost a bigger story than anything else that happened because it brought back all the tropes from last season where they were seen as, as fragile in defence, where they were seen as lacking... Uh, resilience as a side as being too pretty too slow in the build-up and what was so damaging I think for Favre in particular was that afterwards Roman Berkey the goalkeeper came out and did this very old school kind of speech you know he's saying well we didn't play like man today we didn't go where it hurts um, in in both boxes (laughs) (laughs) Um, and Favre by by stark contrast was talking about Oh, I would have liked to see even more uh, control. We made this game too open. You know, he was... Too nicey-nicey. Could not relate to the sense that maybe this team are are not lacking in tactical instruction, but lacking sort of in in a bit of temperament and uh, and a bit of determination to defend, for example. I mean, to to give you a concrete example, he plays a very radical if you will or a very purist form of zonal marking when it comes to corners uh-huh. and Dortmund are very vulnerable because if you play that kind of system you rely on the aggression of players to really attack those spaces and attack those balls if these guys are just basically standing there and just not getting into these areas where the ball comes mm. then it can look very very weak and very ineffective yeah. fragile vulnerable and 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 Bremen took advantage and Bremen even referenced it afterwards, saying, yeah, we know that Dortmund play this extreme version of, of zone marking. And I think in the team, even though no one's prepared to say it openly, there is a sense of frustration that Favre doesn't quite seem to want to address certain issues. And it's a real shame because you look at the side and think, you know, they should be doing so well and they, they played a great game against Barcelona, really should have won the game. And they're in danger of underachieving, I think, this season, which is... Down in eighth place at the moment. A 2-2 draw at home to Werder Bremen at the weekend. Which is the reason why Favre, I think, will become under more pressure. My word. Moving on to Group H, uh, which could be one of the tightest. You've got Lille against Chelsea on Wednesday and Valencia, who beat Chelsea at Stamford Bridge, taking on Ajax. Ajax, who yet to lose this season. Uh, Valencia, who inflicted a first defeat of the season on Athletic Bilbao at the weekend, Alvaro. The Lille-Chelsea match, uh, Lille lost 3-0 to Ajax. Can they offer more of a threat at home? I didn't think they played badly against Ajax. It was just that Ajax were super efficient and super good as they are at home, especially in the Champions League. But Lille had a few opportunities on the counter in that game to score. I, th- I thought Victor Osimhen, the Nigerian striker who's very young and very, very good, who won't be in France for long, looked sharp uh-huh. and created some problems. He could have had a penalty very early on a nil-nil, for example, that the referee, I thought, 
bottled up a bit and didn't give. But there was a lot of good things. They were a bit naive defensively because that's what they're going to do. They're not used to that kind of level and that kind of pace. But maybe against Chelsea, who also lacks a bit of experience in certain positions with certain players, maybe the field would be a bit more level than that Ajax team, who for most of them, you know, went to the semi-final last year. So... I still think Lille are big outsiders in that group and complete underdogs and, and everything. They shouldn't qualify, really. But they will give it a good go. And, and you know, they, they play with no pressure. No one expects them to come out of that group anyway. So being at home and they have a bit of momentum from the league, even if they didn't win this weekend, but uh-huh. they, they, win, they won in midweek. And again, they have incredible talented young players. They had a 1-1 draw away at Nice at the weekend, yeah. Lille, uh, which was uh, a match significant because we also got to the bottom of what happened to Kasper Dolberg's watch. Remind us the story here. Yes. So uh, two weeks ago, uh, Kasper Dolberg, who's just signed for Nice from uh, Ajax for 20 million euros, arrived at training on Monday, got changed, went training, came back and realized that his watch, uh, Patek Philippe watch for the connoisseur, worth 70,000 euros, got stolen. Yeah. While the whole team was was at training. So obviously he was not happy, he went to see the police, you know, press charges against X because he didn't know who stole it. The police opened an investigation, as right. you do, so did the club, and they realized that he was one of their players, uh, Lamine uh, Diaby Fadiga, who's 18, uh, one of the most promising players of the Nice Academy. Um, one to watch. One to watch, for sure, <laughs> James, well done. Uh, who's, stolen the, who's stolen the watch? And um, there's a few. How, f- how did they discover Jules? I, th- I don't know. I think there were CCTV cameras in the. Yeah. In did the they get away. Inspector Migret to like you know <laughs> <laughs> come and investigate? Maybe, no. but it turned out that Jabi uh, Fadiga sold the watch. I don't know how and where you sell a 70k watch. Right. But he sold it very quickly, apparently. So he went oh, he to sold see, it. He sold it. So he went to see Dolberg and Patrick Vieira, the manager, yeah. apologized and said to Dolberg, I will give you back the money. Okay. 70K. Yeah. Why not give him another watch? No, I mean, you can't buy a Patek Philippe like this. You, you know, can't. It's, no, no, no. It's, just, it's a wow. very, very rare. Yeah, it's a, it's a long process to buy a Patek Philippe watch, basically. We don't know for how much he sold the watch or to who. Right. But he said to Dolbeck, I will bring you the money back. However, <laughs> so Jules, did he know how much it was worth? Because imagine have. if he just sold it for like, oh, I'll give it 300 euro. And then <laughs> he's like, I'll give you the money back, Casper. It's fine. And then Casper's like 70 grand. <laughs> <laughs> but he's a player who, who, you know, he played for France under 16, 17. 19 right. really promising promising kids and what you know worth you, a lot of money what do you think that will happen to his career now he will get his contract will be terminated he might just about avoid criminal prosecution because Dolberg might say do you know what if, if he gets the money back the whole money Dolberg might say okay forget about it but what's, what's also funny is that last year Christophe Jallet okay not as high profile as Dolberg and mm-hmm. surely not with a watch that expensive right. also got his watch stolen uh-huh. the story didn't was not as big as this because this is you know Dolberg and as we say a very expensive watch but now people think that it could be Javi Fadiga again who, <laughs> watched the stole, who stole the watch last year of Jale. and just to finish with that story the Nice Ultras at the game on Saturday had this banner for Javi Fadiga saying right. Lamine make sure you're on time as your job centre appointment uh, love a funny French banner, Jules. There was another very special one this weekend as well, no? Yes, in uh, in Lyon at the Group Arma Stadium because the game was uh, at a very early time of 1.30 uh, p.m. in France on Saturday afternoon, which we never play at that time. I know in the U- in, in the UK in the Premier League you do, but not never in France. Right. And it was just moved it's forward for, for the Chinese market. So right. the, the game would be prime time in China. So the Lyon Ultras had the great idea to have a, a big choreography with a pro-Tibet uh, flag, which obviously I'm sure didn't make the Chinese. 
free Tibet. Yeah. yeah, free Tibet. It's brilliant, uh, isn't it? It's fantastic, I thought. So that would have gone out live across the Chinese across China, TV. Yeah, which I'm fantastic. not sure they would have been happy with. Uh, Leon, who got a huge match coming up, they're away at uh, RB Leipzig. Uh, that's in Group G on Wednesday. Leon, actually, uh, Unar Paul Balders asking, what's going on with the club? Only two wins in their last nine. What is going on at Leon, Jules? They, they won their first two games with the new manager, Silvino, and the new sporting director, Juninho. And it was, you know, all the talk about of, of the summer about this new leadership team with Jean-Michel Olas, the who's been chairman of that club since 1987, taking a step back and letting Juninho, the best player in the history of the club, you know, deal with everything. And Juninho picked Silvino, who had never had any sort of experience as a first-team manager. Mm -hmm. And things are really, really messy now. I mean, oh. Silvino looks like... I've got nothing against him, and he looks like a decent guy. He's got no idea what he's doing. He's completely out of his depth. There would be a time where Juninho, who obviously appointed his friend Silvino, so it's, I can understand why it's hard for Juninho, who's also new in the job of sporting director, right. sack his mate and saying, you're rubbish, get out of my club. Yeah. I know. I understand that's not easy. No. And Lyon... Uh, since Olas took over, so in, in 87, I've never sacked the manager in his first year of, of job. Really? Yeah, never ever. So that would be very unlikely to do so. But things are so bad, the players have lost all confidence. There's no structure to the team. There's no shape. There's no tactical knowledge. There's there's just nothing in that team. So they, They've already fallen to 11th in the table. It's really worrying, to be fair. Nine and points behind PSG. And they've got this trip to RB Leipzig, who, as you mentioned, Rafa, uh, earlier on, did lose this weekend at home to... David Wagner's Schalke. David Wagner, all right. But uh, still, at home, to Lyon will be a very tough customer, a very tough proposition. Yeah, I mean, Leipzig were a little bit unlucky. They yeah. started well. They hit the poles from Sabitzer, um, a howitzer from Sabitzer, you might say, James. Mm -hmm. um, and then Schalke just got the breaks. They scored from a from a corner, uh, where Leipzig were a little bit sloppy. Uh, they scored from a penalty, and they scored on the break when uh, Rabi Matondo... right. Scored his first goal in the Bundesliga and uh, and killed him off. Former Man City starlet Rabi Matondo, who another of the kind of uh, British young community out there in the Bundesliga. Yeah, but he had um, he had a very slow start and hadn't done really much at all in, at Schalke last year. Um, but it was nice to see under new management uh, that perhaps he was getting a bit more game time and Schalke playing a bit more uh, of an attacking game. So he should have more more opportunities to to show what he can do, but. The news for Schalke is they're all of a sudden in a conversation for top four, which very few people thought possible because this is a team that is low on quality. I mean, Harit um, is the main guy. He's uh, uh, a guy who, you know, has had the potential for, for a number of years but had failed to really put it onto the pitch. Now it seems under Wagner, but also because maybe he's grown a little bit as a person, he's able to do that. But around him, there isn't all that much there which is all the more credit really to, to David Wagner to, to coax those kind of results out of the squad. But ultimately, I think Leipzig, unless these things repeat themselves when it comes to you know being sloppy at the back, they can probably chalk this off as one of those games okay. because they didn't play all that badly. Certainly in the first 25 minutes or so, they, they were absolutely brilliant. All right. Well, a big match coming up then against Lyon. The other game in that group, Jules Zenit against Benfica. Yeah, Zenit got a group point in, in Lyon in match day one. Yep. And Benfica lost at home to Leipzig. So mm. I think urgency for Benfica to try to get points away in Russia. Very good. Final group then coming up is Group E. Uh, it features Genk and Napoli and Liverpool against the surprise success story of match day one, Salzburg. 
You're listening to The Totally Football Show with James Richardson. So then, Genk hosting Napoli, James, and the remarkable Red Bull Salzburg travelling to Anfield. Now, you saw their 6-2 win against Genk on match day one. What are their prospects away at Liverpool? Well, they're a side that are very confident, I think, relishing the fact of being in the Champions League group stages after trying so hard to get here for so long. And... uh, I think they yeah, they were excellent against Genk, but Genk really played into their hands. They were really naive, I felt. Um, yeah, I think it was, what, after a couple of the goals came from Genk corner kicks or Genk set pieces where they were looking to get people forward and score themselves and ended up getting caught on the counter-attack. And, uh, you know, Haaland, having been rested at the weekend, you know, I think uh, will be... You know, very much up for this game. If he plays, because the, the the suggestion was he was he was actually held back at the weekend when they had this four-one win over. Because he scored Australia. too many goals, is that it? Th- apparently, he wasn't <laughs> he wasn't well. He wasn't well. But maybe he was just rested. We'll see. I mean, it'd be fabulous to see how he gets on against Liverpool if he is fit enough. Yeah, and you know, playing in the uh, in the country where he was he was born, uh, no, as well. Um, chance to make his name or even enhance it over here. Um, and again, just someone who. Not only in terms of physicality, but someone who, you know, really likes to run at defences and have the ball played in front of him, right. so he can he can get get at them rather than just being some. He's not a target man. Yeah, he's not. Yeah, for the, someone who's got the height that he's got, he's not someone you play up to and yeah you know, plays with his back to goal and then tries to lay it off for one of their midfielders to, to 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 do something with. You know, he wants it in behind for him to run onto and do damage and boy has he done damage so far this season 12 league goals in 10 games for Salzburg remarkable stuff mm. going to be an interesting game that one uh, the other one in the group is Genk against Napoli uh, Napoli coming off a 2-1 win against Brescia at the weekend which saw Balotelli open his account for the Bresciani but also saw yet another good game for Fernando Lorente who's looking like a really solid buy for the partner Bay. He is. Um, could have gone to Manchester United in the summer. Um, United now looking for a striker. And I think um, more fool them because ultimately, I think they looked at Llorente and thought in terms of perception and optics, he was beneath them. And instead, he's scoring in the Champions League, scoring in the league. Did damage against United's biggest rivals in the Champions League, Liverpool. Um, and gives Napoli an option that they don't have. Um, and... It's not just his uh, his goals, it's his link play as well. He's immediately hit the ground running. He's obviously kept himself in very good condition over the course of the summer. Um, and, yeah, certainly been used, I suppose, more often than people would have thought, given the competition um, up in the final third of that, uh, of that Napoli team, with Mertens again amongst the goals um, at the weekend. Um, Genk, this will be a, a game um, that will be close to the heart of Khalidou Koulibaly, going back there. That's where he... Um, he first emerged. Koulibaly sat out the uh, the game at the weekend against Brescia and Napoli lost both of their centre-backs in that game, Manalas and Maksimovic. Maksimovic stretched it off. Um, they're going to have to see the results of a scan, a judge how long he's out for. Manalas should be back um, for for this game. I wouldn't anticipate many problems for Napoli okay. in Belgium. Although, Jules, name one potential threat to Carlo Ancelotti's side. Yanis Hadji. Did you see what he did at the weekend? He scored two penalties, which you know many players do, but he yeah. scored one with his right foot, one with his left foot. Nice. Which even the most two-footed players like Santi Cazorla, yeah. like Usman Dembele, have never done. It's, right. it's just incredible. His the, dad never did it. No, no. Well, maybe but his dad it. was never two-footed though. Right. His dad was purely left-footed. He has two feet, like as in he's good with you know right and left. Yes. The shame for him though is that the game was abandoned in the 88th minute. 
in uh, St. Truiden because of uh, fans' disturbances. Oh. First, he was stopped for 15 minutes when uh, the St. Truiden fans went mental when Genk were 3-0 up at halftime. And then <laughs> St. Truiden came back to 3-3. And then the Genk fans went mental because their, their team you know, went back from... 3-0 uh, to 3-3, three, three. so the game was stopped in the 88th minute. I'm not really sure what's going to happen there. They might have to replay it or something. So the two penalties from each feet might not, might not count. One extraordinary business. Very good. Well, that's the midweek action in the Champions League. Very shortly, we'll be touching on one or two of the fixtures that leap out at you from the Thursday uh, match drama in the Europa League. First, though, let's get a quick word with some odds from producer Ben. Thank you very much, Jimbo. Lee Price from Paddy Power is on the line. And Lee, let's talk about the big, big weekend coming up in Europe. Uh, the top two in Italy, France and Spain all face each other. First up on Saturday, it's Real Madrid versus Tony Adams, Old Club Granada. What are the odds on Real's first league defeat of the season? Well, pardon my ignorance, but I thought it was crisis time at Real Madrid for Zidane. Then I noticed that ZZ was top. Funny old world. Um, I'm obviously hoping they keep their mucky paws off the new Paddy Power Games ambassador, Jose Mourinho. And the odds suggest that this should be a comfortable one for Real. It's 1-4 to four they win, 6-4 to four they win to nil. But this is, as you mentioned, a top-of-the-table clash, of course. Let's mention that as much as possible, because it won't be for long. And Granada are 8-1 to one to win this one. Silence the Bernabeu. Shouldn't take much. It's 9-2 to two they get a draw. Also on Saturday, it's PSG versus surprise package Angers. And PSG lost at home just over a week ago. Is it going to happen again? Yeah, as much as I love listening to Jules, I do hope so. But our odds makers are pretty categoric that it won't happen. PSG are 1-6 to six to win this, but again, Angers are flying high and they have outscored the reigning champions this season so far. But they're still 11-1 to one to win this and the draw is 11-2. If you do seriously fancy the upset here, then I think the double chance market is the way to go. That means you can bet on two outcomes, i.e. Angers not to lose to PSG and the odds for that is 10-3. And finally to Italy, Sunday night, the Derby d'Italia. Inter versus Juve are Antonio Conte's Inter the real deal. <laughs> yeah, Antonio Conte has the Midas touch, doesn't he? Not only has he got Alexis Sanchez scoring again, he's also masterminded the Chilean getting sent off so he doesn't have to play him in the biggest game of the season. Genius! And we do make Inter the favourites here, albeit very, very, very slight favourites. They're 8-5 to five to win this, while Juve are 17-10, to 10, which is effectively 8.5-1. to one. Uh, the draw is 2-1. to one. The special that's caught my eye here, mainly because I love to buy into narrative, is Inter to come from behind and win a lengthy 13-1. to one. You can find out those odds and more at paddypower.com or the Paddy Power app. Prices are accurate at the time of recording. It's over 18s only. Terms and conditions apply. And when the fun stops, stop. Jules is itching to tell us about no, no, no. what to look out for Thursday night. <laughs> in terms of Europa League action. Go on, yeah. Jules. I know you can't wait. Tell us, what fixtures... Uh, is it Dudelange Karabag, the incredible Luxembourg success story that is Dudelange? First Luxembourg team ever to yep. win in a European um, competition when they beat Apple Nicosia in a crazy game uh, two weeks ago. Mm. I think there's a very good Lazio Stadrene, for example, nice. and who drew with Celtic 1-1 in the first game. Lazio got beaten at Cluj. So it, it's a huge game, I think, for, for the Lazziale. Uh, Arsenal standard de Liège, I think, is a, is a good one as well. We've got Feyenoord against Porto. Besiktas Wolverhampton, which could be good as well. Yeah. Eagles against Wolves. In Turkey. And, but, and, and, of course, with uh, Loris Karius, the Besiktas keeper. Yeah. So, yeah. And yeah. LZ Alkmaar with all their youth and potential against uh, Manchester United. Manchester in, United. In the Netherlands as well. All right, let's finish off with some questions. Swales out. 
asks, given the decline in quality or issues at so many of the elite sides in Europe, who do the panel see doing an Ajax or Spurs in the Champions League this season and gatecrashing the latest stages, latter stages? So uh, what, just getting out the groups? Well, yeah, as a surprise, Semi basically. Semi-final kind of. Final. I mean, that'd be progress for City, right? Final. Plucky City. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that's true. Atletico Madrid. Yeah. Okay, but is there a genuine team that you think actually these people are going to surprise? Jules, what do you make people? of Lille? Do you think Lille can maybe do something? No. No, it's too think early. Too early. I, I, I would see Leipzig. Maybe Salzburg. Why not Inter? Inter for me is in that category. Really? Yeah, because they, they won the Champions League a long time ago. Yeah. But they haven't been a good nope. Champions League side in the last 10 years. 10 years last since the treble. Uh, we spoke about that yeah, in Golazzo, which will be coming back. I thought we were not. Alvaro, you misunderstood. We're yeah. talking about a team that can win the Champions League, not Europa League. <laughs> oh, <laughs> just, no, I think, that I think was that's hard. a humiliation. Salzburg. Salzburg. Salzburg because, yeah, but how because can they, they had a good result group? against that's Genk. And that's how can they get out of the group? Well, they've won their first game. Yeah, but they've got a goal scorer who be tough. You know, finds it too easy to score hat-tricks against anyone and everyone. So who will they knock out? Liverpool or Napoli? Yeah, go on. Go on. Go on. Which team? Clearly, no, no, it's going to be Liverpool who've, who've lost, lost their first game. <laughs> We're going to get <laughs> very much prioritising oh Premier League. Are you betting no, another joking. dinner? Are you I'm betting joking. another dinner? No, on no, no. no. Castle, <laughs> look, Honcastle in Liverpool <laughs> snub. <laughs> well, we'll see. We'll see. But you know what? It's early days to, to really find a team that you know on the basis of one match. We'll, we'll see. Alan Doherty and Alan, Aaron McGrath both have questions about Real Sociedad. Hmm. Uh, Alan Doherty says, is Martin Erdegaard any good at football, actually? Also, is he on loan or was he bought? Oh, was it that skill at the weekend? Yeah, no, midweek. Midweek. Midweek was unbelievable. And Aaron McGrath says, can Real Sociedad keep up their good early season for them and finish fourth? Alvaro? They can finish fourth. I, I think that there is a possibility as big as Valencia finishing fourth, for example. Martin Odegaard, yes, he's very good. He's on loan uh, by Real Madrid. And... Uh, Yesterday's Real Sociedad Sevilla game was one of the best in La Liga so far. Right. Odegaard played all right. 3-2 for Sevilla. Odegaard yeah. played all right, but there was another, not youngster anymore, but one of those prodigies, Adnan Januzaj, who right. gave a tremendous, fantastic assist to Oyarzabal in one of the Real Sociedad goals. So Odegaard is playing really well, right. and uh, we shouldn't forget Adnan Januzaj, because he's pivotal to that Real Sociedad team as well. Real Sociedad is a team that is promoting youth at the minute, and uh, they are trying to play beautiful football, not physical football. And in that context, in that uh, environment, to put it some sort of way, mm. Edegard is flourishing. And I envisage him becoming one of the best players of La Liga this season, if wow. he's not already. He's on for two seasons as well. So whatever oh. happens this mm. season, unless Real Madrid try to bring him back, mm. but they're sure Real Sociedad to have him next year as well. OK, uh, one last question, and it's a biggie for you, James Horncastle. After Sunday's Milan-Fiorentina, which saw Fiorentina who had been on their longest winless streak since the 1930s, pick up their second win in a row, 3-1 at San Siro against Milan. A six million P-man says, is it all curtains for Milan manager Gianpaolo? And if so, can the Rossoneri turn their season around? Don't think it's curtains for him just yet. I think the board do not want to rush to judgment on Gianpaolo. There's only been six games. So they'll give him another game? They have lost four of them. <laughs> right. I think they saw encouraging signs in the first hour against Torino. Okay. The midweek game they lost. The midweek game, which they lost. Um, they took the lead in that. Um, and then Bellotti happened. 
Um, and he went with the same 11 uh, in the Fiorentina game, which is the first time he's named the same team in back-to-back -back games, expecting them to pick up where they left off, I suppose, in that first hour against uh, Torino. And it was a non-performance. Mm. They were woeful. And you saw the Kudvasud, the Milan Ultras, um, after 80 minutes, um, leave the stadium. And even before that, they had withdrawn all of their banners. And they were protesting the club, uh, not the team. And I think there is a feeling that the club and the new manager haven't always been on the same page in that they've appointed a manager who plays a very specific style of football when the team that he was inheriting, they're at the, the best players in that team, Suzon, Piontek, there are real doubts about whether they can play in that system. You look at all the players that they've signed in the summer, six. They've spent 180 million euro gross in the last two transfer windows. How many of those players can you point to now and say, that's a genuine world-class player? And I think what was damning about the loss against Fiorentina is arguably the, the guy who stole the show got a standing ovation when he came off Frank Ribéry. He cost nothing in terms of fee and has managed to light up more or less every game he's played um, so far. And I think that the problem that Milan have got is not only these square pegs in round holes, it's the kids that they bought, they are kids. You know, they, they haven't signed a player who's over 25. Mm. Um, and some of them are in their, it's their first time playing in Italy. Obviously, new manager, new culture, very specific style of play. So I think the, the, the board are kind of holding up their hands and saying, we need to take some responsibility here. Maldini, for example, straight away came out afterwards and was saying, total confidence in Giampaolo. Yes, we're not as far along as we thought we'd be. We were, in fact, way behind where we, we, we think we should be. Um, performances have not been good enough, but we made this choice. And right. for now, we're sticking to this choice. Okay, Giampaolo, who's wearing a little bit that rabbit in the headlights expression, which bodes ill for his ability to inspire a reaction from the players. Certainly, the, the papers seem to feel that the club are actively casting around for a replacement. All sorts of names uh, have been mentioned. Everyone from, uh, well, Shevchenko to Rudy Garcia to Claudio Ranieri. And the line, certainly in the Gazetta, is that Genoa this weekend when they'll be taking on uh, another manager who's apparently living on borrowed time, Andrea Zoli, uh, could be decisive ahead of the international break that the Rossoneri are already thinking, we need to make the change. You look at the team, there are players in it who've been signed by numerous sporting directors. You know, Leonardo, for example, who signed Piontek and Paqueta in the, in the January window for 75 million. Leonardo's no longer there. You look at some of the other players, be it Romagnoli, Musacchio, uh, Rodriguez. They're all players that were signed by Fassone or even someone before that. So it's reminiscent of what Gary Neville said about Man United in that you've got a plate which has curry on one side, pasta on the other, mm. Yorkshire pudding and everything, and a roast in it. And it's all, it's just not a very Stop good mix. It. You're making me hungry. So I, 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 I think, of course, Giampaolo has to take some responsibility and, is, and says this is on me as well right but it's very hard to turn these things around as we saw with Gasparini when he was at Inter for just five games right it, it's kind of reminiscent of that Milan as it stands anyway just one point off the relegation zone at the moment um, just one point ahead of Genoa who they will be taking on this weekend that's a uh, story we will be following of course in next week's show thank you so much for being with us enjoy the Champions League uh, this midweek, either individual matches or, if you prefer, the kind of Kellogg's variety approach of the goal show available on Tuesday 
and Wednesday. Many thanks to Alvaro, James, Julian, and Rafa for being with us. We return next Tuesday. Have yourselves a great time till then. You've been listening to The Totally Football Show, a Muddy Knees Media production. For sales and advertising, please email sales at muddykneesmedia.com. Keep up to date with everything across our Totally Football network at The Totally Show on Twitter. And make sure you check out our brand new website too, thetotallyfootballshow.com.